we're going to kind of follow this, and then sometimes we're going to deviate quite radically. So I'm, I'm giving I printed these out for your benefit, not necessarily mine. So I have my own notes, but we're going to kind of go through this. We're going to, you'll, you'll see that sometimes we totally follow it. Sometimes we go off. So do your best to follow. Does anyone want their own copy? I gave one copy for husband and wife. Does anyone want like their own copy? Because we have more. You do. All right. Uh, would you get a grab? They're right next to you. Give them a pink one. There you go. Yeah, right there. Pink one for Bo. That's right. That's right. So also, uh, the, the, the structure of what we're going through is this parenting is a ministry uh, class. And it is available online. And you just go to parentingministry.org and you can watch uh, Craig Castor. He's a pastor from out in California. Go through all of this. And he's way better than me. Uh, but <laughs> I'm here, so uh, you'll have to live with me. So um, there's that information. <laughs> so we are going to talk um, first, just, just real quick, let's intro what we're going to learn in this class. And it is more like a class. So that means you can ask questions anytime you want. You can raise hands. I'm even sitting. I never sit on Sundays. Uh, I'm not wearing a tie either. I'm excited about that. So um, I do every Sunday. I do special tie knots. I like it. Um, anyway, you can raise, you can ask questions. We're going to have times where we break off and we talk to each other about different things and do homework. We're going to have times where we do little groups and we talk about things together. And, and so this is going to be pretty interesting. And I've never done this before, so we're going to just go for it and see what happens. And I'm very excited about it. So we're going to learn, basically, we're going to go on four different tracks this, uh, during this class. First, we're going to talk about uh, what are we doing in parenting? And uh, what we're going to learn in that is that we're serving God. We're, we're not having uh, a plan that works for everything. We're, we're, we're developing a relationship with God. And, and so that's, that's kind of the big picture of what we're doing. Secondly, we're going to learn how to, about loving communication. Loving communication. That's how we do this plan. That's how we do what we do, which is parenting, is through loving communication. Thirdly, we're going to learn about discipleship because um, they, your children, believe it or not, are not being discipled by anyone else in this world. You're the only people that are in charge of discipling, that you have been commanded by God to disciple your children. Nobody else has. It's your job. And uh, we're going to learn about how to do that. And then uh, fourth, um, changing how we change from maybe doing things totally wrong. Maybe you come in here and you've been doing things totally wrong for years. It is perfect time to turn around and, and go the right way, to change some things. We're going to learn where to even get that strength to change and the, and, and the spirit to change. So that's kind of what we're going to be, the direction we're going to be going, okay? Y'all on board? Anyone scared, bored already? <laughs> All right. Everyone have a Bible. All right, we're going we're gonna to be looking at Bibles here in a minute. But I want you to think real quick about... <laughs> I tricked you. That was so tricky. <clears throat> I want you to think about kids and how different your kids are. 
my uh, kids are wildly different. I have six boys, and John is the oldest. He's 12, and he has autism. And uh, so that is kind of a challenge in our life on a daily basis, and God has used it to break us uh, very literally. Uh, I think it's, it's really difficult sometimes, and I, I'm going to try to be as honest as I can. I have failed so much with John. And I've also, had, I've also been changed more, I think, by John than by any of my kids. Um, so John is autistic, and I think he's a bit strong-willed too. Uh, so we're going to talk about two basic types of kids, strong-willed kids and compliant kids. Who has a strong-willed kid? <laughs> Literally everyone raised their hand, <laughs> except you guys over here. Uh, the, you guys are just blessed of the Lord. What? No strong... Oh, my goodness. What's the name of your strong-willed kid? Uh, Emma. Emma? What's your strong-willed kid? Zeke. Zeke, yeah. Xavier? Shania? Nick? (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Anyone who knows Nicholas knows this, but... And what about you guys? Caleb? Caleb. (laughs) Also very funny. And you got grandkids that are strong-willed? Okay, so you can join the party. All right, here's it. Strong-willed kids versus compliant kids. Is one better than the other? <laughs> we have a lot of answers here. Did you guys raise your hands back there? And what was yours? Silas, Silas oh, of course. Very. So, yes. Um, <laughs> strong-willed kids take more work. They do. They are harder, um, but they can, they're strong-willed for a reason. God has made them that way to be a leader in this world. Uh, they are going to be the people that, that people follow in the future. They're going to they're blaze their own path, and they're going to be used greatly by God. Uh, but for you, they are going to take maybe 10 times more work, maybe 50 times more work. It will take more work. And with John, he takes a lot more work for us. And when we don't put in the work, we see the results in his behavior. You guys recognize that too? Uh, do you guys ever have that feeling like, why aren't you more like your compliant sibling? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I was just, oh, right? It's like, I'm going to call death. <laughs> I know him now. We are friends. Amigo death. Amigo del muerte. Si, okay. All right, so our next oldest, I'm just going to tell you about my family because you guys love me, um, is Zyman. And, and Zyman is not strong-willed. He's, he's more compliant, but he's not totally. He's, he's got his own issues. Um, and then we have James, who is very strong-willed also. Uh, And then we have Ezekiel, who is not nearly as strong-willed. He's much more compliant. Uh, Easy, I think. Uh, You know, he's a a kid who just loves to please. Um, And then we have Jordan, who is, I'd say he's pretty compliant. He's pretty compliant. And then we have, well, we have Corbin first and then Jordan, but I waited for Corbin till the end because Corbin is like compliant king. Uh, he is extremely compliant. He really wants to please us. He, he loves that, that feeling of like, I'm doing what mom and dad says. 
which makes him easy in our mind. Takes less work. And I, he's a glorious gift sometimes. <laughs> We're like, oh, you know, it's nice to have your, your, you just under, you get me, Corbin, you know? He's like, hey, Dad, can I do this for you? And I'm just like, oh, that's just amazing coming from a little, little kid like that. Well, kids are different, and parenting can be frustrating. Has anyone ever been frustrated? Can you think of a day when you weren't frustrated as a parent? Like, you know, each time frame, man, it can bring anxiety. It can bring anxiety like I've never experienced is, is when my kids in the middle of a shopping mall or store are freaking out. My blood pressure, my, I can feel my face getting red. The blood going through my veins is like popping out of my forehead. And I'm like, you will not. And I don't even know the words coming out of my mouth. My, my, oh, it's, it's awful. Um, and kids can do this for you. You know, kids just know how to push your buttons. And we're going we're gonna to talk a lot about that and how, how to respond and what that means in our life. Uh, each time frame of their life, every single area has its own challenges. You know those babies? Totally selfish. <laughs> Toddlers? Oh, my gosh. They're awful, too. Uh, young kids, you know, they think they know everything, you know, up to teenagers and adolescents and then leaving. Each of these time frames has their own specific challenges uh, that we're going to learn that God has a, has a very specific way for us to act in all of these times. Um, here's a real deep question for you guys. Did your parents do a good job? No, we got a big write out. No. No. Anyone want to share? Did your parents do a good job? Yeah. Um, right away when you said that, <clears throat> I said no because you know, I look at you know when my kids and you know, the way our our structure or our family is that when I was a kid I didn't think they were doing a bad job. But when you get older and have your own kids, then you have something to compare it to, but how was I raised compared to what I try to do for them? Because mm-hmm. you know the whole moniker, I want to be the better parent, you know, than my parents were and all that stuff. Right. And the one thing that I always fall back to was that my parents it felt like growing up, it was like a business deal. It was like, okay, we gotta get you to school, get you out of the house, all right, we're good to go. It, my, my dad didn't teach me to do any of the stuff that you expect a parent to do, him, change oil, any of that stuff. And then my mom to shut me up, would give me everything I want. You know, oh, I want the Captain Country, all right, cool. You know, not teach me that, probably should eat lettuce and you know, other that stuff. And so, praise they, the Lord. take all of that, and I felt like going into being a parent myself, completely unprepared. Okay. Which, thank you for sharing, Bo. Everyone give Bo a golf clap. Thank you, Bo. <laughs> Which leads us into our second question. Who taught you how to be a parent? <laughs> it's an honest, bad answer. <laughs> That's, in our country, who is teaching people how to be parents? TV, growing pains, right? Dr. Huxtable. That's where we learned a lot of our parents. You know, Danny Tanner and Full House. 
that's where I learned a lot. You know, I'm like, and I didn't even, I had pretty good parents. Um, but I still, yeah, TV, absolutely. If, if parenting, is parenting more important than your job? Yes. Even if you're inside saying no, the right answer is yes. Parenting is huge, important for us. God says it's like one of the most important thing you're going to do in your life outside of your marriage is your parenting. And we leave it up to, well, what did my parents do? And we think that that's preparing ourselves to be parents? I don't think so. God gives us a lot of instruction that we're going to discover, and he really helps us to know how to do things the right way. He doesn't just leave us out there and say, okay, here's the biggest job in your life. Now go for it. See what works. He doesn't do that. God gives us a ton of information. So we, we had the little death guy talking, doing all the marriage jokes. Here's a great one. Did you and your spouse have the exact same upbringing? Did you have different parents? I hope so, or we would be Mormon. (laughs) Or Southern. Or from the South. I don't know. UCLA fans, whatever. Um, Well, no, we, we didn't have the same. So has there ever, in your marriage, or in the relationships you've had, has there ever been a disagreement on how you should raise your kids? Wow. Yes. In fact, it is one of the biggest points of disagreement in all of our marriages. Uh, and it's, it's one of the most deeply felt hurts when someone is talking to your kid and they're doing it differently than what you, would, you think is right. All right? Right? That's like, don't do that. Mama Bear is going to come out, right? If you talk to my kid, like, the, the, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. Is what we are doing affecting our kids the right way? The way that you're parenting, the way that you're going about your life, is it, is it having a positive influence in your kids? I remember some really positive things that my dad um, did specifically, and my mom too, that have affected me positively in my life. My mom was incredibly loving, and that has stuck with me and had a deep impact on my character, I think. And my dad was too. And they got divorced when I was two years old. And they both married other people. And those people had an effect on my life too. But it, it didn't change that. That my mom and my dad had a huge effect in my life, even though they were divorced. And um, I lived with my dad when I was growing up. For the most part, I would spend summers with my mom. And, uh, and like, like I said, I had step-parents, and they poured things into my life too. But all, all the people in my family got saved when I was like between five and ten. So we, I grew up more in a saved household, and, uh, and so that was good. It was, it was really good. Um, but I remember my dad doing things that blew my mind, where he, he would be trusting the Lord for our bills, and he would gather the family together, and he would say, hey, guess what, guys? I have no idea how we're going to pay our bills this month because I just wrote our last money to tithe. It was our tithe for the month. And I don't know what's going to happen, but we have this bill and this bill, and he would show us the bills. And he would say, but I know that my God is going to provide for our needs. And he would say, okay, let's pray as a family. We'd pray, a week would go by, and then he would gather us again and say, this is how the Lord provided. And those 
dude, that was a huge lesson as I was growing up. And it, it, well, I, th- I, don't, I don't even know if there's anything else in my life that was bigger for me to decide I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus because my dad follows Jesus, and it's a real deal for him. It's not, it's not fake. It's not something that he just takes us to church just to get us out of the house or because it's a re- religious responsibility or a rule. No, this is real for him. And that, that laid the foundation for me to one, one day come and know the Lord myself. It wasn't a guarantee that I would come and know the Lord, but it laid a foundation to where when I finally had the choice in my own life, I dove all in. I wanted to know Jesus and I wanted to follow Jesus because my parents led me there. They taught my heart. My heart was ready to go when Jesus called me. And that's the big picture. Your kids are going to get that call someday. And many of them maybe are way older. This still applies, okay? Because you can start, even if your kids are older, even if your kids are way out of the house, you can be still this supernaturally strong influence in their life when you do things God's way. And, and our hope is that we're creating this generation that loves God and responds to his call in their life. That's why we're doing this. It's our church growth program. Strong families and having babies. The only true roadmap to um, parenting should be God's word. Um, God invented the family, right? You guys all remember, we've been studying the book of Genesis here at church, and, uh, and, and it would be a dirty trick for God to put us in a situation and then not give us some clear guidelines on how to do it. Did you know that less than 11% of people, church Christians, believe that God's word has anything at all to say about parenting? Less than 11%. It's like one out of 10 church-going Christians even believe that God's word has anything to say about parenting. Um, God has given you your children as ministry. And this is really important to understand. Uh, they were given and chosen by God specifically for you. And so our first verse we're going to look at is Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. So in Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, says, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord and do righteousness and to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So the reason that God has moved in your life and, and given you children, given you these blessings, is so that your, because he wants your children to know him and follow him. That's why he gave them to you. Like he specifically chose of all the children that he could have picked out of space and put in the womb of your, you or your spouse. He gave you yours because he wants them to have the best opportunity to know him and follow him. And God wants to use you to do this work in their life, to be a part of this work in their life. 
Jesus is the best example for us of how we're going to get this work done, the, the ministry that God has for us. So we're going to turn over to Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. So with Abraham, God, God said, I, I'm, I've picked him, I've chosen him so that he can command his children so that there can be this whole group of people following me. And I think the best way to do it is through a family. I really do. God said, I got a plan, and it's going to be through the family. And Jesus, he's going to show us what our role as parents is to be. And that's in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's the hardest lesson you're going to learn this entire weekend. A parent is a servant. Not a waiter. Who feels like a waiter? Thank you for being honest. Anyone else feel like a waiter? Moms? Oh my gosh. That's not what God calls us to be. A servant is different. We are not serving our child's, our children's will and wishes, but God's will for us and for them. That's different than just being a waiter. A servant has a very clear purpose in mind, a, a job, a, a calling. And as a parent, we have a very specific calling. It's that God's will would be seen in our life, that we could serve the, the, the weak people around us, our children, and that God's will could be seen in their life, that they would come to know him and follow him and love him and have a correct view of who God is. Our, in parenting, our expectations need to be adjusted so many times. When we don't have the results we think we should see, we get angry, don't we? I have struggled with anger. We, we as a couple have struggled with anger. How many of you have been angry at your child? <laughs> All of you raise your hands. I didn't even have to look. But when we see God's purposes for parenting, we can do it with joy and peace while we trust in the Lord. See, parenting should not be defined as getting angry at your kids until they do what's right. But that's what our flesh wants to do. Instead, we need to have a different view of what parenting is, that we're going to serve our kids and love our kids, and we're going to be able to do this with peace and joy. Parenting should be joyful and peaceful. And I don't think we always see it that way. But yet that's what, the, that's what we are going to see in our, our marriage. If we do things God's way, we're going to see peace dominates and, and joy overflows. And I can say that in our, in our marriage and in our life, we are experiencing a ton of joy. Right, babe? <laughs> we are. She's like, mm-hmm, yeah, well. Yeah, well, we are in the puberty. But... F- I have seen that we are experiencing joy with our kids. Like the conversations I have, the, the looks they give, the hugs they give us, the, 
the fruit I'm seeing in their life, the believing, the faith. I, I, I see these things and I'm like, how is this happening? And it is, it's God's blessing. Because we have tried to implement some of these things and we've been broken when we failed and we've had to come and repent before the Lord and we still have to repent all the time. But when we do, we see God's joy just come into our our life. We see it. And it really does work that way. And I'm not trying to brag at all. I just want, I'm, I'm reaping the benefits of following God's word and I want everyone to share in that joy. Because we should, our family should be bright, shining lights in this world because the joy that is seen in them. Does that mean we give our kids everything they want like a waiter? No, that's not how to have joy. That's how to have serious problems. We're going to get to that later. Does that mean never discipline them? No. We're going to see discipline is huge to have that joy. Uh, God had this intended plan for parenting. He laid it out. And, and uh, this plan, though, is not generally what we think. Husbands and wives usually have different goals in parenting. But that's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be united, and uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to learn more about that. Uh, kids these days usually have to get, anyone got a 16-year-old or 15-year-old? How many hours of, the, of driving practice do they need before they can get their license? Well, I've heard in some places it's upwards of 50 hours, right, of, of team driving and driving at night and driving with your parents. How much training time do we put into our parenting? We're sending these crazy, reckless drivers out there, and the state is like, don't do it without less than 50 hours. But we're, giving these, we're training these children who, who could pick up a gun, and how much hours are we putting into them? Or how much training are we getting in, as far as how we raise them and disciple them? Uh, most of the influence of kids is from the home, not from school and not from the world. It's us. The wor- it's not the world's fault that our kids are messed up. Your kid's on drugs. It is not the world's fault. Because God says the problem is us. God's word says it is us. And that this is a big thing because people are like, oh, the world is just so messed. And now look at my kid because my kid is doing this. They saw this on TV and they da, da, da. And they're totally shifting the blame when they should be humbly saying, what have I done wrong? Because we're going to see. God has given you a supernatural ability to influence your kids more than this world. God knows the world that he put your kids in. And he didn't set them up to fail. He put them in your family with expectations of you to behave godly, and that would save your kids. I grew up in a, a like I said, a godly home, and I went to public school. <gasps> and I saw naked pictures at school. I saw people, I heard people cussing at school. <gasps> I heard people cheering for the Raiders. I mean, just as debased, debauched, oh, excuse me, sorry. Um, as you can get in this world. No, but I knew, I knew every curse word. I knew every dirty joke. I knew it all by the time I was in fourth grade. Everything. And yet it did not affect me. I, I, 
I, I experimented with it a little. In fourth grade and fifth grade, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And since that day, I, I have not had those struggles. I haven't given myself over. Well, I mean, I, I went to a ghetto school. Like Bricker Elementary in Colorado Springs is ghetto. And we had, I mean, it was bad. And I'm really surprised that I turned out all right. <laughs> Maybe you're like, well, let's not go too far. But no, this world is not more powerful than the Holy Spirit. This world is not more powerful than God in following his instructions. No, it is not the world's fault that your kids are messed up. That falls on you. God has given you a plan to be successful as a parent. But we need to follow it. And it takes surrender, humility, and faith. We've got to follow God's word. It's a strain on our marriage and in our home when things are not right. Right? Anyone had just the worst fight in their marriage when, when it came to kids and raising kids? Absolutely. I think of the top ten, and we've had some fights, me and Dana, I mean, we are, we're good. I mean, we've had some doozies. We're fiery. And I think probably eight out of ten of those had to do with the kids. Right? Do you agree? Yeah. All right. She hates me talking to her during stuff. So I'm going to keep doing that. All right. Well, the first thing we need to learn today, so if we're learning lessons during this session. This is the number one lesson. God's purpose in parenting, number one, is to change us. To change us. All right? 1 John 2.5. God picked these kids just for you. And I want you to think about your strong-willed kid Ever wish they had like a 90 day return policy? We're planning on taking a break at uh, 55, 7.55 for bathrooms, okay? Five minute break. We got 11 minutes, so hang in there. Whew, I know. <laughs> First John 2 5. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. So God has this purpose to change us. God uses our kids to reveal stuff about us. You made me act this way. You ever said that? Well, you come home, your wife is frazzled, stressed. They made me get so mad at them today. Honey, that's not how it works. That's not biblical. I have gotten so angry at the boys. I, I'm ashamed at how angry I've gotten at times. Ah, one time, this is the most embarrassing story, so forgive me. Just, will you forgive me? Okay. It's an embarrassing story, but we were at the library one time. And we were in our big white van before someone wrecked it. Not me, someone wrecked into me. And uh, anyway, we're at this van, we're at the library, and my kids were just like, would not stop. Dana was inside the library, and my kids wouldn't stop. And I lost it. 
I turned around and I was like, you stop it right now! Right? To all six of them, right? And they're just like... <laughs> you guys know that, right? <laughs> Where this, the, the lip just goes in a little... <laughs> and, and then I noticed someone outside the van, this lady's like walking in, and she looked at me. And the look on her face was like, you horrible human being. And she took out her phone and took a picture of my license plate. And I was like, ah, I'm going to jail. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and this Dana came out and I'm like, we gotta go. We gotta go right now. We gotta go. These kids have made me lose my mind. Which is so unbiblical. What happened, my kids were foolish, which is what kids are. That's what the Bible says kids are. We're gonna get to that in a little while. And what brought, what got brought out in my life what was what was already in there. God gave me a chance to see how wicked my heart already was. God gave me a chance. Hey, hey, Sean, I'd like to show you how horrible you are. Here's a child that's being crazy. React. Go. And they just, it's like he just puts us in our room and says, go, fight. And, and what came out was disgusting. And I had to go, and I was like, honey, I'm, I'm a horrible, oh. I really think, I had to seek the Lord on that day. But this, what's happening is that God gives us these kids to show us what's inside of us. He's wanting to change us into Christ-like people, Christ-likeness. When you get angry, it's God bringing stuff out of your heart. Here's a big thing is we're, we're not supposed to get angry at our kids. I mean, I, there's a time for uh, being upset, but it is never supposed to come out in anger. Jesus said, be angry and do not sin, right? It's never supposed to come out in angry sin. And you know what that is. And I'm, sometimes I say, you over here now. That's not sin, right? That's not anger. When has God ever just gotten angry at you? If he's the parent, if he's the example, and we think about how he behaves towards us, when does he get angry at us? He doesn't. He's patient. He's kind. It will end up okay, but God is going to get what he wants done with, you, with your kids. And he gave you that strong-willed kid for a really important reason. They're, they're the culprit, aren't they? A lot of times, aren't they? That strong-willed one. If only all my kids were over like this, oh, it'd be so easy. But that's not what God decided. <laughs> and a lot of times if he gave us that strong-willed one first, we wouldn't have had the other ones. So he tricks us and he puts him second or third. I don't know. He's got his plans. I don't know. Well, in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 16, in the New Living Translation, I'll read it to you. It says, how foolish can you be? He's the potter and he is certainly greater than you, the clay. Should the created thing say of the one who made it, he didn't make me? Does a jar ever say, the potter who made me is stupid? <laughs> I love the New Living Translation sometimes. This is what's going on when we lose it with our kids, uh, when we are sinful, when we get frustrated. It's our ch changing that God is working out. God is wanting to change our hearts. It's hard to serve when our kids don't give back, isn't it? I mean, 
How many diapers did you change before they said thank you? <laughs> All of them. They've never once told me thank you for wiping their butt. It's like, what? No, all that serving, though, is God working in our hearts. We give and give and give some more. And you moms give a thousand times more than even the dads. And so I can understand how that's difficult sometimes. Uh, But whoever thanked Jesus when he was washing their feet, when he was dying on the cross for their sins, didn't get a lot of thanks. It's hard. Having kids is hard, and serving them when they're crazy is hard. But God has a purpose, and it's for us. And our eyes need to be on Christ. When they're not on Christ, they're, on, they're just in the flesh. And they're on the flesh, and they're on the circumstances around us, and the flesh kills, but the Spirit gives life. You want your relationship with your kids to be killed? Then react in your flesh all the time. It kills your relationship with your kids. And it takes a long time to fix that relationship. When we act in our flesh, it's like having a sword. Every word you say is like a sword. Okay? And every time you act in the flesh, what you're doing is you're cutting your kid a little bit in their heart. Every time. And, and then when they're a teenager and they're just sick, and we ask, how did this teenager get so sick? And the answer is clear. It's because they have a heart that was never allowed the chance to heal. It was just cut and cut and cut until it got infected. And then we're like, oh, how do we fix this family with this teenager that's all messed up? You can't. You got to go, you got to start over. You got to start acting not in the flesh. You got to put that sword away and start putting that healing ointment of the Holy Spirit and of love. And over time, There can be healing in a crazy teenager or a crazy five-year-old or a crazy 12-year-old or whatever you have. And I've found that God is so good that he's allowed there to be healing after I've messed up for months at a time. And I make one simple act of repentance and then I start loving and serving my child again. My child is just boom right back. And God like gives this grace and my child just responds and it's like, oh, daddy, that's what I've been wanting the whole time. And I'm like, why have I been so foolish? And it's, it, it's flesh. It's flesh. I was, I was too worried about how difficult it was. I didn't want to put in the time. I, I, I wanted that time for me. It's my time. No, we'll, we'll talk more about that. The flesh kills. The, Your kids never make you act in the flesh. That's always your choice. Always. All right, so the first purpose was what? To change us. Second purpose of being a parent is to glorify God. The first purpose is to change us. The second purpose is to glorify God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says... For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If we were to ask your, parent, your kids, do your mommy and daddy always give God glory? What would they say? Huh, that's a good question to think. 
Remember Moses in the book of Exodus when the people were all murmuring and complaining and Moses had been with them for all these years and leading them around and doing miracles and leading them out the Red Sea. You don't, you don't appreciate anything I do for you, children of Israel. And he's just out there and they're like, we're thirsty, Moses. And he's like, oh, you dirty, rotten kids. I don't know what I'm going to do with you. And he goes and he bangs on the thing and the rock and the water comes out and, and God says, Moses... You and I need to have a talk. And God got really upset with Moses, right? Anyone know what happened? Right. Moses, you misrepresented me, God says. And I was not angry at them. They were thirsty. What does that have to do with our parenting? Are we misrepresenting God? Or are we glorifying God? When you're disciplining your kids, are, do they think that what they did um, deserves wrath? Or do they think that they were foolish and just need discipline? We're going to get into the difference in how we portray God's real heart to them. But it all starts in our heart. Do you discipline your kids so that your life is easier and they listen to you more? Or do you discipline them to glorify God? Do you spend time with them so that they'd stop bothering you or to glorify God? That's the big difference. Moses, he, he made a big mistake. He misrepresented God. It was a bummer. Um, Moses forgot who he was serving. He thought he was serving the people. He's like, you need water? Let me serve you some water. Here's your water. You ever slammed food down in front of your kid? Fine, eat it. Good. Thank you, BK. I'm glad you just said no. Because BK's like, I've never served them anything. So I don't just kill. <laughs> no. He was upset at those children, and God wasn't mad at them at all. God knew that they were children and that they were immature, and God was fine with that. He still saved them and wanted them to be saved and taken care of. <sighs> Moses, now they think I'm mad at them. You put your selfish expectations ahead of the work and the will of God. Moses, you wanted an easy day, and the children weren't going to give you an easy day, and you said, I'm not having it. Does that, do you guys ever do that? I do. I've totally done that. I deserve an easy day today, so I'm not parenting. I'm checked out. Oof. This is why so many teenagers walk away from the Lord. Because their parents checked out. Because their parents didn't give them a proper understanding of who God was because their parents didn't serve them. Their parents, it was just that exchange. Hey, I just got to get, if, if they're alive by the time they graduate high school, I win. And then when I get old, they put me in a nicer home. No, they forget that they're, that's not what God has planned family to be. God wants it to be deep and powerful and Christ-like with parents serving their kids. I need to be more concerned with glorifying God inside my home than even outside my home. They can, kids can see when we're fake. And at church, we're all, hey, look at our beautiful family. And then we get home and like, get to your room. No, I don't want to see you. They can see. How about this one? 
Oh, if I ever have to talk to you, boop, 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 boop. Hello? Oh, yes. Oh, that would be lovely. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Now, you know... What does that portray to your kids? That you love this person more than you love them. And we can't do that. That's our flesh. Yeah. So, purpose number one, God's going to change us. Purpose number two, we gotta, we're in this to glorify God, to please Him, make Him happy. Number three, to love our children. Psalm 127 is kind of our theme chapter. We're going to spend a lot more time in it tomorrow afternoon. But it says uh, in verse three, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. God tells us how valuable our kids are. We don't learn how valuable our kids are by their personality or by their behavior. Have you ever thought, oh, those parents are so lucky their kids just behave all the time. Their kids are, in your mind, you're really thinking they're more valuable. Maybe one kid is even more valuable than another kid in your house because of how they behave. But no, God doesn't do that. God says all children are valuable. You know, infanticide was widely practiced in the world during Jesus' time. In all the Greek and Roman society, if your infant was either a burden on you financially or deformed or just not what you wanted or you didn't want to take care of them, you could just put them on the street at nighttime and kill them. Totally acceptable. But when Jesus came and taught us all this, it changed everyone's hearts and they started to see children as valuable. And the whole world got changed and, and started, the church would go around and they would look for babies. In fact, there's th- things written from the church in Rome that the church was supposed to every night go and walk all the corners and see if there were any abandoned babies and take them as their own children. Every night. And that's how they changed the world. It was amazing. Amazing. Anyway, um, so we're supposed to love our children. Number four, fourth lesson we're going to learn tonight, right now in this session, is we're, we're supposed to train our kids. So a purpose is to love our children, and then a purpose of us being parents is to train our kids. Ephesians 6.4, in the New Living Translation, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. None, none of these change uh, if, you're, if you're a single parent in here. Nothing changes. And so I know you are. You're the only one, so I'm going to point you out and just make you feel uncomfortable. But you guys might be single parents someday. I mean, what if someone dies? What if, what if some horrible thing happens? None of this changes, okay? Uh, it always works. God's plan always works. Uh, single parent families have been around for 6,000 years. Timothy was from a single parent family in the Bible. You know, there's, it's fine. It's more difficult. It is difficult. Uh, it's not easy, but you can still have a successful family because uh, God will bless you. God, it's funny because he mentions the fatherless and widow dozens of times. He's concerned about the single-parent family. He really cares about it, and, and all these principles are going to work just the same. I had a great question uh, during the break, and that was um, someone, someone said, it, it, so with what you're saying, it sounds like I've been in the flesh with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, they said, should I apologize to my kids? And I said, oh, that's a great, great, great question. And the answer is yes. We should apologize to our kids. 
Uh, it's extremely humbling and embarrassing to apologize to your kids, right? But where else are they going to learn humility? I mean, the world isn't going to teach them humility. The only place they'll learn humility is when their parents demonstrate it for them. And I think apologizing is, is a great, great thing to do with your kids. It does not make them think less of you. Isn't that what we think it's going to do? We think, oh yeah, it's gonna, they're going to think they're going to think I'm some weak person and I'm looking for their approval and stuff like that. You say, no, I'm apologizing to you because I, have, I did what God told me not to do. So I need to make it right with you. And I got angry with you and I'm sorry uh, because I didn't do how God told, tells me to do it. And so it is very important to apologize to our kids. And uh, it also helps us learn a lesson. And it does that first thing that parenting does, which is it changes us. Uh, so that was a great question. I won't put anyone on the spot. Uh, so we're, I'm going to read a verse real quick to you guys, and, and we're just going to have a quick discussion on what do you think it means with, for what we've uh, talked about so far. Uh, Matthew 11:28, And Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. How does that apply to what we have spoken about so far? Amen. When your kids wear you out, go spend time with God. Huh? Let them watch a show. Say that again, Chris. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Don't do it in your own power in the first place. Uh, when we get up in the morning and we're like, I got this. Uh, that's a recipe for disaster when it comes to parenting. Because our flesh doesn't take a day off. Saturday mornings are not uh, flesh vacation days. Even though that's how we treat them a lot of times. It's like, when, when do we get up and do devotions on our, you know, get up early to seek the Lord for his strength on Saturday? No, we're like, Monday through Friday, yeah, I need the Lord's strength, get through these crazy work, and then Saturday, our day with our kids, we, we, we don't get up to spend time with the Lord, and then by the middle of the day, we've made a thousand fleshly decisions, and everyone's yelling at each other, and we're like, I wish I could go back to work. Right. Come to me, Jesus says. Stop trying to do this on your own. Come to me. And then the second verse is Psalm ten fourteen. But you see the trouble and grief they cause. You take note of it and punish them. The helpless put their trust in you, and you defend orphans. What do you think that verse means to our discussion tonight? You see the trouble and grief they cause, you take note of it and punish them. The helpless put their trust in you and you defend orphans. A lot of use, yeah. It's talking about prideful people the Lord puts down and punishes arrogant people. But the helpless, they trust in him and he defends those orphans. Hey, great observation. He said, God has our kids' interests at heart even when we don't. He observes them. He sees them. He's got a heart for them even when we don't. Ah, I like that. Chris. Chris. 
Well done, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna we're moving to our next session here. Um, so let's open up with Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-three. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we, we come to you again, and we just ask again your blessing on your word that it would be the light to our, our dark souls and our hearts, Lord, would be illuminated by your glory. And Lord, that we would uh, see your wisdom in your plan. In your name we pray, amen. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, Matthew six thirty three. In our little outline, we are in section two now. If you're following along, good luck. He says, "Seek first the kingdom of God, and, and everything else is going to be added to you." So we must get our strength from Him daily to accomplish this job of parenting. He looks at your children as very important. And we need wisdom and guidance to be able to lead our families. We need God's empowerment. Our kids are the future kingdom of God, the future church in this nation and in this world, and God cares about them deeply. And, uh, and so we need to be empowered by him on a daily basis. But if I, don't, if I don't seek God, my old nature comes out so quickly with my kids. It just that is the absolute truth. My kids have a way of pushing my buttons, um, like nobody else. I, you know, I, I don't think I've ever been mad at church. I don't think any of you have ever made me mad. <laughs> but my kids, hundreds of times, they have. I have lost my temper, and uh, it's just so easy for the flesh to come out. And it's just this huge constant reminder that I have to come to Jesus every moment of every day. I have to be drawing on him, depending on his word and his way of doing things. And we're going to learn how to handle every situation, how to do it with God's way, with discipline and punishment, what the difference is between discipline and punishment, and how to train them through discipline. Not change them from bad kids to good kids, but train them. And let God change them. It's so cool how God gives it to us. He takes all the pressure off us. He said, just follow my word. Just do what I say. And I will guard your child's heart and I'll form it. And I'll be working behind the scenes to accomplish all the stuff you wish you could do in your flesh. But you can't. I can save your kid. I love your kid. That's why I put him in your family. And so we're, we're going to see how all that works here in the, in the upcoming um, times. But uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see a real key verse about, about uh, parenting. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Now this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, 
that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. This is how God has intended families to go. It's vitally important. Families today are dying and it is not well with them and they are not inheriting the promised land of being a family that's blessed by God. And we see them everywhere. We see families all over the place that are, that are struggling and, and families that um, are broken and sad and the parents hate the kids and the kids hate the parents and the parents are brokenhearted and the kids are sad and you feel like, what in the world is going on here? And the problem is nobody is loving God with all their heart soul and mind and parents it starts with us families are dying and it is not well with us he says here love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength we have to choose to have an intimate relationship with jesus christ we have to choose that our heart needs to be filled with the love for god and love for god's word and raising kids is directly related to your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the most important thing about this parenting class or course or whatever is that it's directly related to your relationship with Jesus Christ, being a parent. It's hugely connected. Our connection with him is the only source for our raising kids. It's the only thing that, that supplies anything for us. And the, so the key word when it comes to parenting is abiding. Abiding with Christ. Abiding in Christ. Living by God's resources. Which you guys who come to our church, you hear about this every single week, right? We talk about grace and living by God's resources on a continual basis. And we've, we've referenced family, but I think I want to just point it out so clearly we cannot be good parents unless we're depending on God's resources and abiding in him. In, in John fifteen five, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So apply that to the family. Without me, you can do nothing good to raise your kids. You might survive it but they're going to be mad at you. You're going to be disappointed in them. And it's going to look like every sitcom that's out there on TV right now. Everything. It's just shallow. It doesn't work. Broken families everywhere. So sad. It's not what God wants for us. If we want to honor God and seek to raise godly children, we can only do it through Jesus. And we don't pray, Jesus, please change my kids. But we pray, Jesus, change me help me to be the parent you've made me to be and i trust you with my kids i trust you in my relation in my dealings with them i want to glorify you i just want to make you happy lord i want to do i want to do it the way you would do it but jesus changed me first 
sometimes people come in for counseling or whatever and they say, I've just been praying my kids change. I want my kids to change. And I, and I have to gently tell them, you need to change. But my kids are doing drugs. But my kids are mean. But my kids are disobedient. Yeah, they're kids. That kind of sounds like kids. Foolish, bad decisions. They're born that way. It's your job to change them. Well, how do I do that? Study God's word and spend time with Jesus and you'll figure it out. Class like this will help too. Storms are coming. <laughs> Teenage years can be storms, right? To, for those with babies, we all say, oh, wait till they get to the terrible twos. There's a storm, right? And then just like every step of the way, there's storms coming. And we are building the foundation of our homes. Will you survive the storms? Your family is the only as secure as the foundation that you build on. Uh, let's turn to Luke chapter 6. And we'll just read that parable. Verse 46 through 49. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on, a, on the rock. And when the flood arose and the, and the stream beat vehemently, vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing... Is like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately fell, and the ruin of that house was great. That describes families. Those who put their trust in, in the way that their parents did it are building their house on the sand, on the earth, with no foundation. And their family will crash down, and their kids will go away, and and everyone will be sad. And there'll be those kids who blame their parents for everything. Instead of thinking about how wonderful their parents were, they're thinking about only the mistakes. Because they had to live in this house that had no foundation. Can you imagine being a little child living in a house that just was always shaking? It's a terrible way to think. And I know that many of us grew up in that house, didn't we? God says, don't do that. How do we not do that? Jesus says, listen to my words. Do what I say, and that won't be your house. Your house will be solid, and the storms may come, and your kids will be foolish, and your house will not fall. So we kind of need to give ourselves a spiritual grade. If you were to give yourself a spiritual grade, would you give yourself an A, B, a C, a D, or an F. When it comes to your parenting, have you been depending on Jesus? Have you been spending time with him and asking for his strength to be the parent that he wants you to be? Or have you been just doing your best 
your best is terrible. Sorry, just I'm laying it all out there. My best is terrible. Have we been abiding in Jesus Christ? Are you asking him for strength? Yes, no, who knows? Well, let's start with this, the most simple question. Have you given your life to Christ? Have you said, my life is not my own, but I belong to Jesus Christ. I've been bought with a price. I believe in what he did, and I've surrendered my life to him. That's the way it starts. That's how an abiding relationship works. Now, maybe let's ask ourselves, well, have I been, have I been abiding? Well, let's, let's talk about prayer. Have you been praying? I mean, we talked about being in the word, but let's, in, uh, in Philippians 4, 6, what's it say? Philippians 4, 6. You guys all know it. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Is that how you tackle your parenting challenges? Immediately going to God in prayer? That's how it looks to follow God's word. Is when your kid is out of control, and you don't know how to handle it, you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, what, what is the Christ-like thing for me to do right now? What do I do, Jesus? I mean, they just, wow. I'm sure you guys have stories that would rock my world on how crazy your kids are. And sometimes that's really challenging. Are we going to the Lord? Abiding means praying praying for your kids, praying that you are being the parent that God wants you to be. And then abiding is spending time in God's word. When, when I used to uh, work at this lighting company, and when I would get home, my boys would be so excited to see me. They just would would run and jump up on me and I felt like the first 15 minutes I got home, I was wrestling. <laughs> and the thing is, they knew that I would be there for them. But sometimes I didn't want to be there for them. Sometimes I was tired. And sometimes I would come home and be like, Daddy, Daddy doesn't want to do that right now. And, and it's in those times where I, I lost an opportunity to be in their life. I, I lost an opportunity and they could see that I didn't really care about the relationship at that point. And they cared, they wanted it. And then as my kids grow older, if I were to continue in that pattern, there'll be a time when my kids go outside for their relationships and, and they develop poor relationships and they make poor choices and they're doing drugs and they're sleeping around. And then I want all their time. Oh, I want to give you that. Why won't my kid hang out with me? Why won't my kid listen to me? Why is everything messed up in my family? And then my kids don't want my time because they're teenagers. They figured it all out. And I lost that. And I don't want that to happen to us. When we're spending time in God's word, it's because we care about the relationship with him. 
Um, in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus has been telling parables to, his, to all the people and his disciples have been with him. And then it says, and without a parable, he did not speak to them, meaning all the people. But then it says, but when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. This verse is in here is because parenting is full of crazy challenges. And the only way you're going to ever make sense of any of those challenges is by spending time alone with Jesus so he can explain them to you. I mean, sometimes you, you go through a day and you're like, what happened? I mean, I literally don't know how any of that happened. I mean, we ended up with egg on the ceiling, and I don't even know. We didn't even have a chicken in the house. I mean, it's like we don't have any idea what's going on. And Jesus says, that's okay. Come to me alone, and I'll, I'll unfold things for you. I'll unpack things for you. I will do this work with you. I'm not asking you to figure everything out and be perfect, but I am asking you to do it with me, to spend time with me. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker that does not need to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. All the challenges that we meet in our parenting, God has an answer for in, our, in the word of God. And he'll speak them to you. But you have to come to him alone, and you have to spend that time searching the word of God. And God will lead your eyes to what you need to hear. His Holy Spirit will take over and bless you, but you gotta, you got to trust him and say, I want to do your will, Lord. What is it? I don't know your word, but I'm going to spend, I mean, gosh, parenting is just wild, and, and I, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to come to your word, and I'm just going to read. I'm seeking you, Lord, so speak to me. He will speak to you in those circumstances. You draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. I love that. Jesus knew what the disciples were wondering about. They didn't understand the parables. They didn't understand what was going on. And Jesus is like, that's fine. Keep hanging out with me, and I'll, I'll explain them all to you. That's such, such a good Lord that we have. And uh, so, you know, we have uh, this abiding in the Lord is so important for our, our parenting skills. It's how we develop these parenting skills is by abiding in the Lord. But the second part is obeying the Lord. Abiding in the Lord, we've, dove, we've, we've dived deep with him, we spend time with him, but then we need to obey. Uh, one, one quick test, uh, giving tithes. Proverbs chapter 3 Nine says, says, give to the Lord. You know, that's a real good test. Am I obedient to God's word when he says something? Let's, let's go ahead and read Proverbs 3, 9, so you don't think I'm some money-hungry pastor. Um, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will, be, will overflow with new wine. What does that have to do with raising kids? Because money, when we, when we trust God with all that he's given us, it, it matters with our kids. He's given you your kids too. 
So if you can honor God with your possessions and your money, then honoring God with your, ki- with your kids is going to be the natural progression of, it's going to be the same way your heart is going, the same direction. Do you see how they're connected? It's not a salvation issue. It's a trust issue. Do you trust God with your money? Then you give it to him, right? Not all of it. I'm not saying whatever. I'm not Benny Hinn. If you trust God with your kids, then you can do things his way. We have a hard time letting go of our way of doing things. We have a hard time obeying because we're afraid that God's way is somehow going to let us down, that God's way is somehow going to not work. We have a hard time letting go. But God is saying, just obey my word, and you're going to see my blessings pour into your life. Obeying your your priorities with God, your spouse, your children, your work, your church, your leisure time, and fellowship, is it all? Are you obeying God in all of it? Or do you segment parts and say, God has all of this part of my life, but my work, nope, I I do that. I, I know I'm doing that on my own. Am I surrendering it all to God or not? This is very important when it comes to parenting because you're a parent 24 hours a day. When you're at work, when you're at home, when you're sleeping, you're still their parents. When you're out sinning, you're still a parent. So he's given you a 24-hour responsibility. He needs 24-hour obedience for us to experience the blessings that he's wanting to, see, wanting to give us in our lives. Practicing godly principles daily in your own home is huge. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Are your children seeing these things in your life at home? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow, that's a, that's a lot. And it's only fruit of the Spirit, which means it only comes by that abiding with Jesus Christ and being obedient to what he's asked you to, to, to trust him in, to do things his way in faith. Are, you seeing, are your children seeing those things? Is there any room for improvement? This is how we can have success. Do we, I've written down here, do we need to repent? So the question that came to me is like perfectly applicable now. Do we need to repent? Like to God first, but maybe you even need to start asking forgiveness from your kids for doing things totally in the flesh. Obedience, you see, is, the, is a byproduct of coming to him and hearing his sayings or abiding in him. Obedience is just what happens after you say, I'm, I've messed up. And God's word says this, I've been doing this, but I want to agree with God's word, and so I'm going to turn to God. 
God, help me. I'm sorry I've been doing that. And help me to do what you want me to do. Because maybe in your house, your kids are not seeing love, joy, peace, patience, just kindness, gentleness. A lot of times we are meaner. If Is that a word? We're meaner to our kids than we are to anyone else in the world. We would never treat a coworker like we treat our kids. Get over here right now. Dude, would you ever talk to your boss? You, would you ever, the eyes, the stink eye. I mean, if someone looked at you like that on the bus, you would go over there and fight them. Like right away. And we do that to our kids. And somehow it's acceptable. Wow. But no, God wants them to see more love, more peace, more kindness, with discipline and punishment that comes too. And we're going to see how to do that in a godly way. Because I think right now, a lot of us think, but how am I going to get them in trouble? How are they going to know what they're doing is wrong? Oh, they will. We, we have really good plans for that. Trust me, you'll like that, that part. It'll be the last session tomorrow. You'll love that part. But for now, is there any room for improvement? Most Christians focus on obeying, but they have been neglecting the abiding. So I, I understand if you're saying, oh, I need to start doing things God's way right now. Well, it doesn't matter if you don't want to spend time with him because you're going to fail miserably. You want to be righteous in, in your own? You can't do that. It's the connection with Jesus that gives us this power to obey. It, he only gives us the grace we need for that day, one day at a time. It's just like the manna. You guys remember the manna? Every day when the children of Israel were out there in the desert, God would give them magical bread to eat, and he only gave a day's worth. And anyone who tried to keep it, it would spoil and grow worms or whatever, go rotten. Because he wanted them to learn this, this principle to come to him daily for their needs. And that he would provide. And guess what? He always provided. There was always manna. And when they got sick of manna, he gave them quail till they were sick. He always provides. So what's the opposite of, of these things being seen in their life of love, joy, peace, patience? Well, the opposite is the flesh. The opposite of, of seeing, of abiding in Christ and obeying him is rebellion. Doing things our own way. Reprioritizing what's most important to, from God to us. What I think If we're too busy to abide, we are making a choice to live in rebellion. If you're saying, I'm too busy to get up and spend time in the word of God and to abide in him, you are making a choice to rebel and live by your own resources and your own flesh. And God will not bless you and he will not bless your family. 
And these are the choices some people have lived their entire family never spending time in the Word of God. They've raised kid after kid after kid and have never once asked God for help, and they wonder why. Their family is in horrible shape. Some of us have no idea what we're doing, but we beg God for help every day. And God is blessing us with joy and peace. And our kids magically are turning around. Don't even know why. That's, how, that's what the life is for a believer. We can trust him and he does all the dirty work. It's just like he told Israel in Deuteronomy, love God first. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Train your kids to do the same thing. It's about loving God. Uh, the erosion of your spiritual foundation begins with neglect. Are, you, are your first thoughts each day focused on the Lord? First thoughts. I, I can honestly say that I've grown in this, and right now when I wake up, the first thing I always say is, Jesus, help me. And sometimes it's because I'm tired, but God has put me in a place where I'm tired. And I'm okay with that because he's with me. And, and do we daily acknowledge our own depravity and need for him? That's humility, man. That's saying, I need you, God, so much. What does James 4, 6 say? God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Do you put God first in your life, maintaining a healthy, intimate relationship with him? You're like, I thought I was at a parenting conference. Yes, this is the number one thing that's of importance in parenting. Connection with Jesus Christ. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God, deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So true in parenting. So true. When we sow spiritual things, when we love through the Spirit, through the power of the Spirit, after abiding in Christ, God blesses you. And when you try to do it on your own, God will break you. Parenting is hard. Why make it harder on yourself? Why do things in the flesh? Like our flesh wants us to think, oh, I just want an easy life. Let me just have an easier day. Uh, let me just ignore my kids for right now because I need it easier right now. And what you're doing is you're making your life harder. And you're making their life harder. And you're not glorifying God. And you're living in rebellion. So many things you're going to have to repent of. There will be difficult trials and tough situations, but God knows about each and every one of them, and he's, in fact, he's throwing them at you. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Raising your kids is a good work that, that God has pre-thought about. Remember this when your kids do the dumbest things. God has prepared a good thing for you to do when they do a dumb thing. And that good thing is not flesh out on them. They are kids. They will do horrible things. You were a kid and you did horrible things. And, uh, and, and God has prepared good things for us to do 
in each one of those situations. And when we don't do that good thing, what do we need to do? Repent. We need to repent. First Peter 4.1 Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So in parenting, get ready to suffer. Get ready to suffer. It, it works out for you. It helps you. In, in this verse it says it helps you to stop sinning. Suffering is good for you. It transforms us. Suffering is part of the job. Why is not the question to ask. Why are my kids so difficult? Why is my child so strong-willed? Why does he do this thing over and over and over again? Why does he challenge me? Why are they so crazy? Why is not the question to ask. The question to ask is what? What are you wanting to change in me, Lord? What do you want me to do, Lord? That's the question to ask. What? James 1, chapter 2, or chapter 1, verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, when your kids are crazy, when your kids are difficult. Count it all joy, he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Being parents of difficult children transform us. Testings and trials help us. God loves us and he's given us these wild kids, all these strong-willed children in this room down there. <laughs> he's given them to us because he cares about you and he wants you to be perfect. And all the times that you failed, they are failures and they will get burned away. But all the times you succeed when you put your trust in him and you react in the spirit and follow the spirit and led by the spirit and loving God, every single one of those times you're going to be rewarded for. Oh, but I'm not a pastor. Why does my life matter? Oh my gosh. Being a parent is a thousand times more important than being a pastor. It's true. God uses our trials and the seasons our children go through and their personalities to mold us and shape us. They are for our transformation and his glorification. And again, in my relationship with John and in the struggles that, I've, that I personally have gone through, and Dana's been through a thousand times more than me, but in my own personal life, no kid has been used in my life more than John. To, to get me to trust in God and stop trusting in myself and to see when I'm fleshly. It's, it's really important for us to understand that. And also, uh, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you except, except which is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will, with the temptation will, will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Jesus sends us into the storm. He gave you your kid, and he has no problem giving you this crazy kid. But Jesus is the answer to each and every one of those unbearable situations. He can get you through it. 
Are you loving Jesus? Are you abiding in him, trusting him and humbling yourself before him, saying, I want to do things your way. I, I want to stop doing things my way. I want to do things your way. Are you a parent that loves Jesus? I'm not going to tell you the solution to all our, our families is to love our kids more because it's not. The problem isn't that you don't love your kids enough. Our problem is always, and the solution is always, to love Jesus more. To love Jesus more. Kid, I want to kill you right now. But I'm not going to because I love Jesus more than I want to kill you. As a parent slash minister, servant, the, um, the wellspring of our service is not our love for our children, but our love for Jesus. So the integrity of the foundation we raise our children on is directly related to the strength of our relationship with Jesus Christ and our daily dependence upon him. I'm going to read that again because that's a summary of what we just studied tonight. The integrity of the foundation we raise our children on is directly related to the strength of our relationship with Jesus Christ and our daily dependence upon him. So, we're going to ask each other a question. You're going to turn to your friend, your neighbor. Dana, you're going to come partner up with Sophia. And we're going to have a discussion on how to abide. Easy question. How do you abide in Jesus Christ? So we're going to take four minutes and do that. Turn to your spouse and discuss how do you abide. Go. Stay close to Jesus. How do you stay close to Jesus? Did anyone learn anything from their spouse, from anything interesting? You don't have to share. Just did you learn something? All right. I think, you know, I have a horrendous problem, and maybe you can join me, uh, is that I justify sin. And I say, I, I know this probably isn't the right thing to do, but I'm just, it's so difficult. Do you guys do that too? With parent, with kids, you know? This, for me, is rebellion in my parenting. And for me, it's something I have to come to Jesus because my relationship, my parenting is really about my relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and it's the first place that falls off into sin in my life. And it's the last place I really want to deal with God. It's the last place I really want to say, I suck today. I don't want people to think I'm a bad dad. I don't want to be a bad dad. And the truth is, I am sometimes. And the only freedom and, 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 and power that we have is when we admit that to the Lord. And we say, God, I failed. You, I didn't listen to your word. I didn't do things the way your word said. And so I want to come back to you now and I want to repent. I want to say I'm sorry. And Lord, I'm going to come back to you and, and, and trust you 
and stop trusting in my own flesh. Because it's not about the plan that we have. I mean, we're going to discuss plans for what to do in different situations and how to discipline. We're going to discuss all that. But none of it matters. The plan does not matter if we're not surrendered to Jesus Christ. It doesn't. You can do everything right. And your kid may grow up and graduate from Harvard. But they might hate you too. And they might say, they pushed me so much and they didn't love me. That's what it's all about. God says, love them. Be patient, be kind, be gentle and tenderhearted and trust me. Teach them my words. We're going we're gonna to learn so much more tomorrow. Um, but we're going to wrap it up tonight because uh, all the servants downstairs have been loving your kids and they're probably done. <laughs> so we want our church to grow. We want them to have kids when they grow up, all those servants. So we're going to take ours away now and go home and have a wonderful night. God bless you guys.